Tonight we are talking about our most important subject, the doctrine of Christ. What is it? We are going to answer a few basic questions, but they're also going to be really deep. What is the doctrine of Christ? How, how does it compare to the gospel of Christ? Uh, what are the different things that Christ said about it? How can we find them in the scriptures and identify them? What is all the different aspects? A little bit of a mini dive into each one, including what is the New Neverlasting Covenant, which uh, has been covered in another podcast. Uh, what is baptism? What is to be saved? And what is eternal life? These kinds of things help us define it. Uh, what is the preparatory gospel? How does that differ uh, from, from the gospel of Christ or doctrine of Christ? Okay, so the doctrine of Christ, we are going to see, is the same thing as the gospel of Christ. We're going to see that as we go through the scriptures, which is the same thing as the everlasting gospel, the fullness of the gospel, etc., etc. But it has some of these basic components, and as we go through this, pay attention that all throughout the scriptures, we have this idea of, in other words, and we're going to see that constantly tonight, and we're going to see it all the time as we go through the scriptures, and it's really important that we understand that. In other words, and we're going to see things said a bunch of different ways to say the same thing. And this is extremely important to understand the doctrine of Christ. We see elements believe in Christ, exercising faith under repentance, which, by the way, right there, that is the everlasting covenant, which you could take a look at in our other podcast. Being baptized by water, fire, and the Holy Ghost, enduring to the end, which, by the way, is an extension of that new and everlasting covenant, which leads us to receiving the promise of eternal life, or, as we're going to see, Enter the rest of the Lord. Enter the rest of the Lord. So this is an overview, and as we as we review this, we're going to keep coming back to it over and over and over again. Okay, so let's jump in. Now, this subject is the most important subject because it is everything. It's the plan of salvation. It's the gospel. It's what gets us eternal life. That's the whole point. So we could basically read all of scriptures and tie them all together. Instead, I've just picked some highlights so that we can get the idea, get the gist, and then we can apply those as we read the scriptures and study on our own all the time. So, uh, so the relation between the doctrine of Christ and the gospel of Christ, let's just look at that real quick. So Jacob 7 verse 6, check this out. So Sherem, this Antichrist, comes to Jacob and he says, Brother Jacob, I've sought much opportunity to speak to you. Uh, I've heard and also know that thou goest about much preaching what you call the gospel or the doctrine of Christ. So right here, they are equal. The gospel or equals the doctrine of Christ. Okay, so just that. And then as we go through all of these uh, scriptures, you're going to see, oh yeah, they are the same. Sometimes it says gospel, sometimes it says doctrine of Christ. And 
there is no shortage of scriptures that we can look at. So the doctrine of the gospel of Christ. Let's look at one such example we have highlighted here. In 3 Nephi 11, this is Jesus coming to the Americas. So let's zoom in. Behold, verily, verily, I say unto you, declares Christ, I will declare unto you my doctrine. And this is my doctrine, or my gospel. This is the doctrine which the Father hath given unto me. Interesting. The Father has given it to Christ. And look at it here. The Holy Ghost bears record. The Father commandeth all men, highlighted there, everywhere, to repent and believe in me. So there's those first two. Repent and believe in me. Right here. So we're going to see these over and over and over again. And whoso believeth in me, look, it doesn't, he doesn't say repent again. Whoso believeth in me and is baptized, the same shall be saved, and they are they who shall inherit the kingdom of God. So this is going to be important uh, for later as we come. Saved, inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, I really should do blue because I've kind of, I, I remember I promised you guys that I like never color coordinate. Well, I don't typically, but I did a little bit tonight. I used a lot of blue for this end of the road type of thing, the saved stuff, the eternal life stuff. Okay, so let's let's keep going. Whoso doesn't be damned, skip to 35. Verily, verily, so here's a repetition. Verily, verily, I say unto you, this is my doctrine. There it is again. This is my doctrine. And I bear record of it. And whoso believeth in me, so there's the believe again. So look, the Father will visit him with fire and with the Holy Ghost. So there's that other part of the baptism. So this is a bunch of, in other words, this is already a bunch of in other words, because Jesus is restating what he already said, but he's saying a couple extra phrases here, um, and then a couple uh, phrases that he doesn't mention again. And... That's important to note because uh, we're going to get to a, an extremely important verse here in just a second. Okay, let me pull that up again. Again, I say unto you, you must re repent. So now he says repent instead of believe. And again, I say unto you. So here's another in other words. Become as a little child. So right there, become as a little child. That's the humility aspect, which is the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And be baptized in my name. You can't receive these things. Again, inherit the kingdom of God. This is my doctrine. My rock, build upon my rock, this same thing. There's another, and there's an in other words, right? And look at this verse. This verse is important, and it's also often misunderstood. So let me help us all understand it a little more clearly. Whoso declares more or less than this comes of evil, okay, and is not built upon my rock. Now, more or less than this, we have to be careful and understand what all of these in other words mean, because we're, we'll fall into the trap of saying, oh, you're declaring more or less than this, uh, when really it's just declaring the same thing, but in other words. Does that make sense? Uh, it's really important that we understand that. Or we're going to miss out on all the meaning of scriptures everywhere. Okay. Let's jump and see some more of these examples. Uh, 
So already, already we saw all of these aspects here. Now, down here at the end, we saw all of these, except we didn't see the phrase promise of eternal life or enter the rest of the Lord. Instead, we saw saved and inherit the kingdom of God. We're going to look at more of those examples. Here we go. So this is 3 Nephi 27, 20 to 22. Let's zoom in on that just a little bit more. Now this is the commandment. Repent. There it is again. Uh, come unto me. So now there is an additional phrase. And be baptized in my name. So this, come unto me, has to do with believing in me. Okay, so this is believing in me. Come unto me, believe in me, repent, be baptized. And then here we have sanctified by the reception of the Holy Ghost. Reception of the Holy Ghost is the same as being baptized with fire and the Holy Ghost. Baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. Hopefully we're okay abbreviating. And then this is my gospel. So just before it said this is my doctrine and it was the same aspects. Now we have this is my gospel, all the same. Now we have lifted up at the last day. So we have an, an, an in other words. Okay. Well, let's look. Let's just back up a little bit. So same chapter, but we're going to go verses 13 to 19 leading up to it. I know I did it kind of backwards, but I did it kind of on purpose. So same chapter, but backing up just a little bit. Let's look at some of the elements here again. Being able to make all these connections between these same principles but using different phrases helps us open up the scriptures more and more and more because on every page of the scriptures, whether it's the, the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Book of Mormon, Dr. Covenants, Poor Ray Price, uh, Words from Joseph Smith, you're going to see this stuff over and over again, but you have to be able to make those connections and see what they're talking about when they use a different phrase to talk about the same thing. And... That way, we don't fall into the trap of saying, oh, you didn't say the exact same words as 3 Nephi 27, so you're declaring more or less than this. Well, not necessarily. Well, there's tons of examples in all Scripture that don't use any of these phrases, uh, but use links that mean the same thing. And so, so pay attention to that. And over time, you'll get used to them and learn them. Uh, so I'm going to try and present a bunch tonight. There's even more. There's no way we can hit them all because I'd have to read all of scriptures to do that. And that's just not possible. And ain't no one got time for that. Okay. Behold, I've given unto you my gospel. This is the gospel I've given unto you. I came into the world to do the will of my father. So here is that same covenant, the new and everlasting covenant to do God's will, which is the same idea as uh, faith unto repentance, believing in him, all that aspect, do God's will that I might draw all men unto me. So if Christ, if Christ draws me to him, that's the same idea as coming to him or come unto him, right? And that's an important, in other words, Okay, so he lifted up, etc., etc. Let's scroll down. I will draw all men unto me. So here it comes in verse 16. Whoso repenteth and is baptized, there it is again, repent, baptized, shall be filled. So this filled 
is the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And then there it is, near to the end. I will hold guiltless before my Father at the day I stand to judge the world. So, guiltless before the Father. Let's scroll down just a little bit. Skip to verse 19. Look at this. And no unclean thing can inherit his kingdom. So there it is again, inheriting the kingdom of God. And then look here. Therefore, oh, I was supposed to highlight that in blue, not green. I messed up. Therefore, nothing entereth into his rest. Look at this. So there's, there is the therefore right here. This therefore is giving us, and in other words, of this. So to inherit his kingdom is to enter into his rest, his rest. Save it be those who have washed their garments in my blood. So that is talking about sanctification, being sanctified, which we already saw, sanctified by reception of the Holy Ghost. And then look at this, because of their faith and repentance. And look at this, faithfulness unto the end, enduring to the end, exercising faith unto the end. So as we are, so now we have for the first time entering into the Lord's rest right here. And real quick, we're going to come back. We're going to come, we're going to DNC 84 real quick. We're going to come back to this. Uh, later, but I want to jump to it real quick. This is 84 verse 24. Now we're going to come. There's a larger passage we have later, but just check this out. So Moses is trying to get the people to enter the Lord's presence to behold the face of God. See that? To behold the face of God, but they couldn't endure his presence. And look at this. So the Lord swore that they should not enter into his rest while in the wilderness. So that's how we know we're talking about their lifetime. These are all important aspects. But here it is. Here's the kicker. Which rest is the fullness of his glory. So it's his presence. So when it says enter into the Lord's rest, it's entering into his presence to behold his face in the fullness of his glory. Okay. So we're going to write that here for just a second. So the Lord's rest, enter, enter the Lord's rest equals... His presence to see his face. This is so important. In the fullness of his glory, which is in the heavens, by the way. We don't have enough time to get into that tonight. We will on a future podcast. So that's important because we just read the entrance to the Lord's rest up here. So his kingdom, nothing entereth into his rest, which we just learned is something that happens in our lifetime. Uh, and that, that verse we just read proved it because it was while they were in the wilderness. Moses tried to do that. And the Lord said, you won't enter into my rest while in the wilderness because you hardened your hearts. All right. So that's important. So now let us move over to our next one. We're going to jump to second Nephi 31 and 
So we're putting these pieces together. It's like it's like a giant puzzle, okay? And we have these huge expositions on what is the doctrine of Christ or the gospel of Christ. Um, we're seeing that they're the same thing. The terms are being used interchangeably. And over and over again, we have a couple of new phrases inserted here and there each time we look at a new passage so that we can expound our understanding of what these phrases really mean scripturally. And that's really important. So here in 2 Nephi, this is chronologically in the Book of Mormon, the first, I started in 3 Nephi with the words of the Savior. Nephi has a much longer exposition. Okay, this is a much longer exposition on, on this subject. So instead, so we're not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to point out the highlights along the way. So I highlighted them so we can your eyes can follow me more quickly. So he's going to speak the doctrine of Christ. By the way, it's important to understand he really so plain and uh, the, and God speaks plainly to our understanding. That's really important. So he starts off by talking about baptism when, when the Lamb of God gets baptized. And then as he says this, how much more need have we to be baptized? So he's talking about our need to be baptized by water. He hasn't mentioned fire and the Holy Ghost yet. And then look at this phrase, fulfill all righteousness. That's, that's a phrase we haven't come across yet, but it is fulfilling all righteousness to do um, to do this stuff. Okay, so let's, oops. Okay, so the next verse, verse 7 Look at this. According to the flesh, Jesus humbles himself before the Father. So there's that humility again. And witnesses that he would be, so the humility is being obedient to keep his commandments. So now for the uh, first time, we have keep his commandments. All right. And then, then now we have the reception of the Holy Ghost. So now he's talking about it. Now look here. Can we follow Jesus unless we're willing to keep the commandments of the Father? So this is, again, the new and everlasting covenant. So now we have keep the commandments as part of, as part of that. Okay, let's keep going. So that was verse 10. So look here. Now we start getting, it starts really diving in. So verse 11, the Father says, repent ye, repent ye, and be baptized in the name of the Son. So now we start getting right into it. And whoever does that, the Father will give the Holy Ghost, reception of the Holy Ghost, Baptism from the Holy Ghost. Now here, look at the 13. We have some more phrases that we haven't come across yet, but it's the same thing in other words. So to follow the Son is the same thing as coming unto him and believing in him. Come unto, believe. And then look at this. Full purpose of heart. No hypocrisy. No deception. Real intent. Repenting of your sins. Willing to take upon you the name of Christ. These are elements of the new and everlasting covenant. And then look at this. Receive the Holy Ghost. And you receive the Holy Ghost. Yeah, that's what this yay is a connector. This yay connects receive the Holy Ghost to baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. So the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost is the event that allows us to receive the Holy Ghost, which, as we read, sanctifies us. Okay? So, 
Then we have a repeat in verse 14. Repent, willing to keep the commandments, water, fire, Holy Ghost. There it is again. But now look, endure to the end, be saved. So here in verse 15, I'm going to quickly skip over right over here. So endure to the end, saved. Look over here. That's a, He makes a direct connection. Endure to the end, promise of eternal life from the Father. So he makes makes a direct correlation there. Saved. Interesting. In verse 17, we're going to come across a couple other phrases now for the first time. Those phrases are the gate by which he should enter. So this is a gate that starts this path that leads to the tree of life. This is commentary on the tree of life, by the way. Hope you enjoy these drawings. So repentance, baptism, and then look at this, remission of your sins. So that is, in other words, for being sanctified, as we've read already. So we have remission of your sins by fire and by the Holy Ghost. So now we come across the rest of the chapter here. And this is how we know it's a commentary on the tree of life. You're on the narrow path, which leads to eternal life. The commandments of God. So we've been keeping the commandments, like we've already talked about. Receive the Holy Ghost. And then look at this. Under the fulfilling of the promise which he'd made, that if he entered, by the way, he received. So the promise, this promise is all about the new and everlasting covenant. So a covenant, new and everlasting covenant. So remember, a covenant is this two-way promise where we commit and promise to do one thing and God promises to do something else. So the Lord promises that we'll receive the Holy Ghost if we do those things. Well, what what things? Well, we, we talked about it over and over again. Uh, to repent of all our sins, to uh, keep his commandments, to humble ourselves. Lots of words and phrases that mean the same thing, which is to offer up the sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. So that we'll see in 3 Nephi 9. So in 3 Nephi 9, which we're going to jump to real quick here, just verse 20 real quick. We're going to come back to it momentarily. But 3 Nephi 9, 20, you shall offer for sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And and whoso comes unto me, there it is again, come unto me, there it is, with a broken heart and a contrite spirit, that's the person that gets baptized with fire with the Holy Ghost. So this is, and in other words, of everything we've been reading. So now we have the sacrifice, a broken heart and contrite spirit. So this is an important element of the new and everlasting covenant. It is the new and everlasting covenant in a nutshell. Okay. So, to finish off 2 Nephi 31, so look at this. So you enter in by the gate, you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, now, he says, are you done? No, because you just started the path. You just started the path. Look at this. 
you got this far by the word of Christ. This is so important with faith in him. So exercising faith is now being mentioned. Uh, whoops, sorry, whatever. So now exercising faith is important. Now the word of Christ is, and in other words, of what we already had. The word of Christ are the same thing as, as the commandments of God, doing any, everything that he would tell us to do. And then we have, and in other words, right after that, press forward with a steadfastness in Christ. That's in other words. In other words of exercising faith in the word of Christ or pressing forward, feasting upon the word of Christ. So when, when we feast upon something, it's eating it. And when we eat something, it's taking it into ourselves to become a part of ourselves. That's what happens when we eat food. It becomes a part of our bodies. So if I feast upon the words of Christ, it's it's not talking about just devouring scriptures. It's actually talking about uh, the things that Christ would have me do, the commandments of God to me personally, and making those a part of my life, actually doing them and making it a part of my being to do whatever he tells me to do, which sounds like a tall order. And well, and it kind of is because it's, it's, not, it's not cheap to be saved. So back to here. And if you do that and endure to the end, so endure to the end means keep doing this. Enduring to the end, do this over and over and over. Don't ever stop. That's enduring to the end. That's when the Father says, ye shall have eternal life, which Nephi said earlier, by enduring to the end will be saved. So there was a, an, an, an equating there. Now, in the last verse of the chapter, so again, this is the doctrine of Christ. And look at this. The only, the only and true doctrine of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, the only true doctrine of the Father, this is the fullness of the gospel. So for those who like to differentiate between gospel of Christ and the fullness of the gospel, no, they're all the same thing. The everlasting gospel, the fullness of the gospel, the gospel of Christ, the doctrine of Christ, they are all the same thing. They're all the same thing. And it's important to, to understand this. In fact, we're going to put it right underneath here. So let's put that way underneath we have the doctrine of Christ, the gospel of Christ. We have the fullness of the gospel. Then we have the everlasting gospel. Okay, these are all the same, which, by the way, is the same thing as the plan of Salvation. How do I know it's the plan of salvation? Because Nephi, well, first of all, because of the, in other words, of other scripture passages, but also because Nephi just said to do this to be saved. So that's the plan of salvation. Do what to be saved? Plan of salvation. Also, we read and will read plan of redemption. All the same thing. So, so anytime I catch people saying this is different. The plan of salvation includes this, whereas the gospel of Christ includes that, and the doctrine of Christ includes the other. No, no. Uh, the, 
that that person does not yet fully understand the scriptures because the scriptures clearly show that they are all the and other words. Okay. So that's important. Okay. Next passage, we have to look at the next chapter. I absolutely love this. Nephi, by the way, it's important to understand that 2 Nephi 31 and 32 is Nephi talking to the reader, but when we read in 2 Nephi 33, we understand that it is Nephi quoting to us a sermon that he gave to his people and that he knows that he needs to quote it to us to know. So if we see that in uh, 2 Nephi 33, right after this, look, I cannot write all the things which were taught among my people Okay, so let's go back here. So now we're in 2 Nephi 32. So his people were confused, and he knows that we're going to be confused. What to do after we've entered in, by the way, that's that gate, and then the, the path that leads to the tree. So it's like the person, the person was here. Hello. Goes through here, and they're standing here, and they need to walk this path and get to the tree. What do you do? And Nephi says, okay, well, I just barely explained it to you at the end of the chapter. That's what we were looking at here. We were looking at here this notion of exercising faith, following the word of Christ, okay, and enduring to the end. And then we get the promise of eternal life. So Nephi is going to give, and in other words, as I like to call it, right here in chapter 32. So he says again, so he says again, feast upon the words of Christ. Look at that, verse 3. Feast upon the words of Christ, and they'll tell you what to do in your life, individually. This is an individual thing. Individual. Now, verse 4, if you can't understand this, it's because you are not trying hard enough. You're not asking. Okay. So, look at verse 5, though. We have it in other words. He says, again, I say unto you, Again, meaning he already said it. What he said here, in verse 3, right here, is what he's saying here. In verse 5, if you will enter in by the way, you will receive the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost will show you what you should do. So when you get on the path, you... Nephi says previously, you haven't come thus far, save it were by the words of Christ. In other words, the Holy Ghost telling you what to do. The Holy Spirit telling you what to do. That's the word of God. Those are the commandments of God. And we, we see that in the beginning of the Book of Mormon, where Lehi is getting commandments from the Lord to leave Jerusalem, to take his family, to go back and get the place, to go back and get Ishmael and his family, to do, to do this, do that. And the Lord commands Nephi to build a boat. All these commandments of the Lord, which are individualized to them, and what they need to do, and then they're obedient, and they do it. 
That's what it's talking about here. And if we do that, then that's, if we do that over and over again, then we get the promise of eternal life. So, verse 6, this is the doctrine of Christ, and there is no more doctrine given until you receive the promise of eternal life, which is when he manifests himself unto you in the flesh. Now, in the flesh means immortality. In your Every time it says in the flesh, it means immortality. In, sorry, during mortality, not immortality, like two words, in immortality during your lifetime. That's what that means. That is the, in other words, of what he said at the end of the chapter right here. When it said, thus saith the Father, if you endure to the end, feasting upon the word of Christ, you'll have eternal life. The promise of eternal life. This is really important. So, that's what we're supposed to do. And then look at look at verse 7. I love verse 7. We've got some mysteries here. I can't say more. The Spirit stops my utterance. That is a clear, that is a clear cut, a clear cut clue that there is mysteries right there. The mysteries of the kingdom. Nephi can't say them. He can't go past talking about that right now. And we're going to see a couple other examples in Scripture. Okay. And now, interestingly, he does not change the subject. People might read the rest of the chapter. Look at this. People might think he's changing the subject in the rest of the chapter. Oh, by the way, Nephi says, I'm left to mourn because of unbelief. Nephi's talking to the reader, by the way. Unbelief, wickedness, ignorance, stiff-neckedness. They won't search knowledge. He's talking to the members of the church. How do I know he's talking to the members of the church? Because that's who the Book of Mormon's always talking to, to the members of the church, those who actually have the Book of Mormon. So, Nephi's frustrated, and we see that several chapters earlier in 2 Nephi 28. He's frustrated because we, the members of the church who are reading the Book of Mormon, aren't understanding what is so plainly in front of us, which is what I'm explaining to you right now. And look at verse 8. I perceive that you still are wondering. How are you still wondering? So, the Spirit teaches you to pray. You have to pray. In other words, this is how you get the words of Christ. This is how you get the words of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost will not show you what to do unless you pray. So you have to always pray and not do anything unto the Lord. If you're trying to follow the Lord, you better pray and wonder what He wants you to do so that He'll consecrate welfare of thy soul. This is not just about making it so that anything that I do all day long is just fine and dandy per, in a general sense. This is a this is more specific. This is specifically about going on the path that leads to the tree. Okay? That's what these verses are talking about. And he's saying the Holy Ghost is not going to tell you anything unless you ask you have to ask. You have to always ask. The welfare of thy soul is salvation. This is salvation. This is what this is talking about. To consecrate it towards salvation. To lead us to the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And eventually into his presence, as we just read. Okay? That is the welfare of 
my soul. It's important to understand these, these things so that we catch all of the context. Okay, so now let's take a look. Uh, here's another example in scriptures where the entire doctrine of Christ or the entire gospel of Christ is truncated. So look at this. Repent, baptize, remission of sins. Yay, or in other words, so the baptized specifically is water, fire, Holy Ghost. But So water first in general. They, we have a few exceptions in Scripture, so don't get bent out of shape on me. But water first and then fire and the Holy Ghost. And then look at this. This is my gospel. But Nephi just said this is the doctrine of Christ. Well, it's because they're the same. And then look at this. And remember, here is in other words, have faith in me or can't be saved. To have faith in me is to exercise faith in me, which is to knock. There's a C in there, I promise. To knock, to pray, hear the voice of the Spirit and obey. So hear the word of the Lord to you and obey it. That's all in other words. Or you can't be saved. So Nephi said we have to endure to the end to be saved. Well, that's that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. Exercising faith over and over and over again in this manner is how we endure to the end. And look at this. This is the rock. Build on this rock. So as we go through scriptures, we're going to find more and more of these examples over and over again. Let's jump back to the words of the Savior in 3 Nephi again, but this time 3 Nephi 9, which we looked at briefly in verse 20, but now we're going to look at a couple of highlights starting in verse 13. So this is 13, 3 Nephi 9, 13 to 22. So look at this. The people, a lot of the people have been destroyed. Only the righteous are left. And look at this. Return to me. Now we have a new, in other words, return, repent. And then look at this, be converted. Now we have, be converted. And now we have another one and heal you. We, this is all the same stuff. So return or turn. So we have turn or return, which is come unto Christ, which we already had. Come unto Christ. We have repent of your sins again, but now we have be converted and then heal you. This healing is done through the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And then look here. Proof that this is come unto Christ because he says, Yea, verily I say unto you, if ye will come. So that that's, we have the in other words right there. And look at this. If you'll come, you'll have eternal life. So he just summarized that whole gospel, he just truncated it into, come unto me, have eternal life. Well, Nephi spent a whole chapter trying to get to the whole point of, of having eternal life, or at least getting the promise of eternal life. All those things. So you can summarize all that. Well, that's coming unto Christ. You cannot come unto Christ unless you do all those things, which is why it's important to understand all of these scriptures, because if we don't, then I could just think, oh, all I need to do is come to Christ. So in my heart, I just got to love Jesus. 
I love Jesus. I'm coming under Christ. I'll praise Jesus all day long. Look, that's some awesome stuff right there. But there are other instructions along the way. And we've got to be able to understand those if we want to be saved. Because this is the only true doctrine of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So here, look at this other words right after that. Behold mine arm of mercy. So now we get a little bit more poetic language. Mine arm of mercy is extended, and whosoever will come, him will I receive. Okay, so re being received is another aspect. This is when we are baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost. That's when Christ receives us. And he receives us as his sons and his daughters. That's what it means to be received of Jesus Christ. Okay? That's what that means. Another aspect. And we're going to see that in a second. And blessed are those who come unto me. There it is again. So let's skip down real quick. Verse 17. So look at this. As many as have received me, those are who I received. But Dustin, he doesn't say that. Well, it's in another words of what he just said, because he just said that he would receive us. So he says, if you receive me, I'll receive you. Or as, or as it says in, in other places, draw near unto me, and I will draw near unto you. See, same thing. It's all the same thing. It's all in other words. Okay? So if you receive me, I'll receive you. In other words, you will become the sons of God or the sons of Christ, as we see in Mosiah 5. And I will do this with as many as, here is the, in other words, believe on my name. So to receive Christ is to believe on his name. In other words, which we've already come across. For behold, by me redemption cometh. So he just equated becoming the sons of God to redemption. He just equated that. For behold, by me, redemption comes. This is what redemption is. So, so we're getting all these definitions left and right. So now we come where we just were a little bit ago. And ye shall offer for a sacrifice unto me a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And whoso comes unto me. So, so to come unto him is to offer a sacrifice and a broken heart and contrite spirit. Whoso comes unto me with a broken heart and contrite spirit, him will I baptize, him will I redeem, by baptizing with fire with the Holy Ghost, even as the Lamanites. And then look at this. I've come to bring redemption. So there it is. Redeemed. To save the world from sin. Plan. This is the plan of redemption. Plan of redemption. Same thing. Plan of salvation. Therefore, so here is the summary. Therefore, Whoso, re here's repent again, and come unto me, there's the humility, little child, him will I receive. So, again, if you receive me, so this is receive me, cometh unto me, repent, receive me, and I will receive you. And then look right here, such is the kingdom of God. Earlier he told us that that was being saved or coming into his rest, which is coming into the Lord's presence to behold his face in the fullness of his glory. 
Behold, for such I've laid down my life, taken it up again. Therefore, repent and come unto me and be saved. So again, summarizing it all. Repent, come unto me, be saved. So we get all these amazing, in other words. Now let's go through and look at some of these examples real quick. So a real quick note on the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. Lest we lest we misunderstand what that experience is, we have several definitions that are very clear cut. So in 3 Nephi 19, 11 to 15, we have a bit of a, an uh, expo uh, exposition here. So this is 3 Nephi 19, 11 to 15. So Nephi goes down and is baptized by water, and then he baptizes the other 11. And then when they were all baptized and come up out of the water, the Holy Ghost did fall upon them. They were filled. So there's again, filled. This is, this is explaining what the filled means in the scriptures. Now we have to, we have to be so careful to use the definitions in the scriptures. And by using the definitions includes using the in other words. So being able to link them, we have repent, be baptized, and you shall be filled. Be filled with what? Be filled with fire and with the Holy Ghost if we've done according to the commandments. Okay? So important to make sure we understand this. Now, the Holy Ghost does fill us with, with incredible, unspeakable joy and peace, etc. Uh, and that's all true, too. And that helps us catch some other passages where that event occurs, but it's not so explicit. So with the Holy Ghost and with fire, but look at this. They were encircled about as if it were by fire, and it came down from heaven. And then look at this. Angels did come down and ministered unto them. This is the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. And then look what happened. While this was happening, and this is only to the disciples, not to the multitude. Only the disciples were baptized by water and fire and the Holy Ghost on this occasion. Then Jesus came and stood in the midst of them. Which is not the same thing as what happened in, is what Nephi said in 2 Nephi. Because this is not entering into the Lord's rest. Because it was not the fullness of his glory. So all of these pieces of the puzzle are extremely important. Jesus just came and visited him. That's not that's not the same thing. These pieces of the puzzle are so important. Here, let's come out to the side here. Because as we create this puzzle, the gospel of Jesus Christ has all of these pieces, and we've got to be able to put them all together. So, in this case, we have, and again, we will go into more depth on this in a future podcast, but when we're talking about saved, there are several different contexts of saved in the scriptures, so we have to make sure that we're using the right context, but we also have give, um, enter the Lord's rest, his presence. Now, in this case, they did have the presence of the Savior. And it was 
in the flesh or in their life time, but it was not fullness of his glory. Okay. So we have promise of eternal life. And if we read John 17, 3, eternal life is to know God. Okay. I don't know how many pieces I need to make, but you guys are getting the idea here. I'm sure we could fill this in with some other ones. Oh, yeah, kingdom of God. Um, how about we spell that correctly? Kingdom of God. And there's actually several more pieces we could put here. Kingdom of God, we're going to find out soon. Is the church of the firstborn. We're going to come across that here in just a minute. So, when any of these phrases are talked about, when any of these phrases are talked about, we have to make sure we're putting the pieces together because the scriptures keep equating these with each other. And when they equate them with each other, we have to make sure that we're linking them properly as we speak about them. This equals this, this equals this. And then we have to make sure we're seeing the passage in its context because being baptized with fire and the Holy Ghost is um, being saved from our sins. However, in the saved that Nephi talked about, he equated it with the promise of eternal life, which is different. So there are different levels of cell of, of being saved and different levels of remission of sins, stuff like that. But that's that's a little bit more complex than we're going to try and go into tonight. So don't fret about that at this moment. If that sounds confusing. Um, we're just trying to follow the context here of what the scriptures are telling us. Hey, look at that. I made enough puzzle pieces for all these terms. And actually we could make some more puzzle pieces as we keep going in some of these examples. All right. But this is just one example. When we're putting these scriptures together, it's like making a puzzle like this. And we have to make sure we are not violating one of the pieces or we don't get the full picture. Okay. So let's look here in section 76 and see an example of the gospel of Jesus Christ being explained using some other words. All right. So I'm going to prove that being saved is the same as eternal life, depending on the context. It all depends on context, and I'm already I've already proved it in the scriptures. Nephi proved it in Second uh, Nephi 31 with the context that he gave. I just proved it, um, and I'll continue to prove it. But it's all context because for for that con for that context, I know that you could also pull up a, a context where it it just simply is the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost being saved from our sins. So context is so important. Context, context, context. So look, 76, this is the gospel of Christ. So here is, in other words, receive the testimony of Jesus, believed on his name. So we haven't, we haven't had that phrase yet, testimony of Jesus. So we have baptized by water. And then look at this, keeping the commandments, which is feasting upon the words of Christ. Feasting upon the words of Christ. Look at this. 
washed and cleansed from all their sins, receive the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. That's an incredible F. But then right here, look at this. Overcome by faith. That is, and in other words, to endure to the end. Exercising faith unto the end. Endure to the end. E-T-T-E. Endure to the end or exercising faith to the end. And then look look at this. We have a different phrase than I included in my other puzzle, sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. And those who are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise are the church of the firstborn. So it takes us back to our puzzle. So this is that promise of eternal life, which let's take a look, section 88. 1 to 5. So this is God's will concerning those who have assembled themselves to pray. Um, Their names are recorded in the book of the names of the sanctified. Remember, we get sanctified through baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. Okay. But now look at this. So what comes next is the next step is receive another comforter. So this is the first comforter, the first comforter. So now they have the opportunity to go after the other comforter, which is, look, which is the Holy Spirit of promise. And this is testimony of John chapter 14, which we don't have time to go into tonight, but we will in a future podcast, which is what is eternal life, uh, which I think is next week. Look at this. This comforter is the promise which I give unto you of eternal life. Even the glory of the such. Well, now we just have more puzzle pieces to add. So we have the Holy Spirit of promise, the other comforter, or an other comforter, and other, so it's after the first. Some also referred to as the second comforter. So here... When we're putting this puzzle together, we get more and more pieces, and and that puzzle gets more like a jigsaw puzzle, like a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle. And that's important to to take note of because as you're studying the scriptures, sometimes you'll be like, wait a minute, but I thought that this meant this. Well, sometimes the answer is yes. Sometimes it's, it's all meeting together, but you're just finding another piece that you didn't have before. And then it becomes like a 3D puzzle. Then your mind starts getting blown because then you're like seeing all these different angles and it's like a Rubik's cube or something. Okay. So, okay. Pulling up that, that little puzzle again because it's helpful. So this promise of eternal life we could actually break up into some more pieces. We have the other comforter, the other, the other comforter. We had, we saw church, the firstborn. We had, saw celestial kingdom, which is the same as the kingdom of God. So I'll just put celestial kingdom here in parentheses. 
if that doesn't offend anybody, I'm sure that some of this is going to offend a lot of people. And Nephi and Mormon and Moroni and Jesus said that it would offend some people because they weren't going to understand it. I'm laying, I'm laying this out to you. I promise in the name of Jesus Christ, I am laying this out to you as plain as day as the scriptures say. What I'm saying is true. You cannot argue with the plainness because I am only reading from the scriptures and showing you how they're all linked together. I am not inventing anything. These are not my words. These are the words of Jesus Christ and of great men who are considered prophets. So we have the other comforter, promise of eternal life, church of the firstborn. So we have some extra pieces there. Oh, and sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. So let's add another little... I have room for another puzzle piece here. Holy Spirit of Promise. The H-SOP. Hopefully that's not blasphemous to say that. So that was from section 88. So section 88 helped us expand our understanding of section 76. So start understanding a little bit more about the promise of eternal life. um, Let's go. Now, let's back up a second to section 84. This is section 84, 19 and 24. We looked at verse 24. So we're going to come back to this passage now. Look at this. The greater priesthood administers the gospel, the gospel of Christ. And look at this. And holds the key of the mysteries of the kingdom. Remember I said Nephi was like, "Ah, I can't talk more right now about this. The Spirit stops my utterance. Even the key of the knowledge of God. Now we have in other words, the knowledge of God. Remember eternal life. Eternal life is to know God. That's John 17, 3. John 17, 3. In the ordinances of the gospel, ordinances, baptism of water, fire, Holy Ghost. The power of godliness is manifest. This is being sanctified. The power of godliness, saving us from our sins. And without it, the power of godliness is not manifest unto men in the flesh. Well, how do we know that? Well, contextually here, if we just skip down, now this Moses plainly taught, sought diligently to sanctify his people. This power of godliness is sanctified. So contextually, that's what it is. Now, in the Millennial Star, in August 1843, Thomas Ward uh, wrote uh, wrote an article explaining the power of godliness uh, receive is the reception of the gift of the Holy Ghost, which is being baptized with fire and the Holy Ghost. That is the power of godliness. But contextually, it's right here in front of us. If you see the in other words, it's right here in front of us. Now look at this. Without it, without the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, without sanctification, you cannot see the face of God and live. Now this living is this whole idea of in the flesh, which is what Nephi said. 
during this lifetime. So Moses taught this to the children of Israel so that they could behold God's face. Moses beheld God's face. He was trying to get the children of Israel to behold God's face, which meant Moses was teaching them the gospel. Repent, turn to Christ, offer him a broken heart and contrite spirit. Do whatever he tells you to do. Be baptized by water, fire, and the Holy Ghost. And keep exercising faith, doing whatever God tells you to do until you enter into his presence. But look what happened. As we read earlier, they hardened their hearts and could not endure his presence. So the Lord swore that they wouldn't enter into his rest. While in the wilderness, there it is again, while in the wilderness is in this life, in the flesh. Which we just talked about right here. Okay, we just saw that. Which rest is the fullness of his glory. Oh, there's another puzzle piece. There's another puzzle piece, fullness of his glory. I think I forgot that. Or maybe I remembered it and I'm not remembering that I remembered it. But you can add that in your own little puzzle. Make your own puzzle. So let's skip ahead in the same section. Look at this, verses 43 to 48. We're going to see some more in other words. So a commandment I give unto you, give diligent heed to the words of eternal life. The words of eternal life are the words of Christ. We already saw this. We already saw this. See? See how it just keeps recycling itself? Diligent heed, exercising faith. That is exercising faith. And then look at verse 44. says, for, this for means in other words, in other words, live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Well, what does he mean by that? Verse 47 is in another words. So we're going to link verse 44 to 47. And everyone that hearkens to the voice of the Spirit. This is what Nephi was telling us. The words of Christ. Nephi told this to us already. The words of Christ or whatever the Holy Ghost tells us, here the Lord is restating it. Everyone who hearkens to the Spirit, look it, look, there it is, comes unto God, even the Father. Well, if we come to the Father, we know that that's part of having eternal life, to come unto the Father. That's the, the celestial level. The Father is a celestial level. He's, he's celestial kingdom. The Father oversees the celestial. Jesus oversees the terrestrial. Holy Ghost oversees the terrestrial. Jesus oversees the terrestrial. Holy Ghost oversees the celestial. And this is the new and everlasting covenant, which he has renewed in these latter days and confirmed. Okay, so isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Absolutely powerful. Now, Let's take a look just at a couple more scriptural examples of some in other words, so that as you go throughout the scriptures, you can see some of these and catch them. 
So this is Romans chapter 5, first five verses. Check this out. So, therefore being justified by faith, this is baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. Notice it's by faith. That Nephi said that's how we get to that point. Nephi says that's how we get to baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. So that's how that's how we can see that. We have peace, and that's one of the fruits. And so that's how we can see that that's what it's talking about here. But then look what it says next. This is another big clue. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. By the way, this is gonna this grace is gonna link us to uh, another scripture here momentarily. Wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The fullness of his glory. Remember that? We just read that. So Amulek tells us that thanks to Jesus Christ and his great sacrifice, we have the means to exercise faith unto repentance. Exercising faith unto repentance, we've already seen, is coming unto Christ, being baptized, receive the fire and the Holy Ghost, baptism, enduring to the end, etc. So... So, by whom also we have access by faith. So, Jesus gives us the access to exercising faith into this grace, the grace of God. Now, let's skip down for a second. Right here, we're going to see sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. We glory in tribulations that works patience, experience, hope, to be not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts, look, by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. There it is, the reception of the Holy Ghost. So that's how we know that this passage is talking about the doctrine of Christ. Now, this stuff here in verses 3 and 4 is that sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. Sacrifice of broken heart, contrite spirit. Hope you'll forgive all of my abbreviating. Helps me go faster. And that is the essence of the new and everlasting covenant. It's the essence of this whole thing. How about this one? Here's a great truncated version. Omni 1, 26. Look at this. Come unto Christ. We are, we've seen that. Come unto Christ. Look at this. Partake of his salvation, the plan of salvation, and the power of his redemption. He redeems us when we're baptized with the fire of the Holy Ghost. Yea, come unto him. There it is again. But yea is the yea part is a restatement, or in other words, offer your whole souls as an offering. Offer a sacrifice of a broken heart and contrite spirit. Your whole soul. Endure to the end. Be saved. See? It's right there. That's a beautiful truncated version. So when we say whoever declares more or less than this, be careful of what you're saying. So remember how in Romans just now we saw this notion of the grace of God. And then at the end it said by the Holy Ghost that we've received, and it ties that together, Moroni is going to do the same thing. Come unto Christ. Be perfected in him. Deny yourselves of all ungodliness. This is all talking about the same thing, offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit, doing whatever God tells us to do. Love God with all your might, mind, and strength. Do whatever. Love him so much you'll do whatever he says. Then look right here. Then is his grace sufficient for you to be perfect in Christ. 
there's the power of godliness mentioned again, the power of God. And then if we don't understand, we have an in other words, and again, in other words, by the grace of God, perfect in Christ, sanctified through the shedding of the blood of Christ. So, so Christ's blood sanctifies us. This is how we know he's talking about the baptism of fire and of the Holy Ghost. It's all in other words. And look at this, which is in the covenant of the Father unto remission of your sins. So if it's not clear enough, sanctified and remission of your sins, the same. And this is the new and everlasting covenant. The new and everlasting covenant. So we're seeing it all over. So here... We have enough pieces so that as we go through scriptures, you can start to piece them all together and say, wait a minute, this is talking about that thing, which was talking about that, which is talking about that. Most of the time, we get truncated versions of the gospel, but sometimes, well, I guess I shouldn't say most of the time, what we get are hyper-truncations like, uh, come unto me and be saved. That's a hyper-truncated version. Then other times we get super expanded versions about one principle, like an, an extended explanation of eternal life or an extended explanation of, of being sanctified or an extended explanation of uh, repenting, exercising faith and uh, keeping the commandments of God or obeying the word of the Lord or feasting upon the words of Christ, uh, offering a sacrifice of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's all of scripture. That's because that's what scriptures are for, is to reveal to us the doctrine of Christ, the gospel of Christ, the plan of salvation, the plan of redemption, the plan of happiness. That's that's what it's for. Now, uh, before we end, it's important to understand something. Uh, going back to section 84, we looked at verses 19 to 24. All of this has been talking about the gospel of Christ, which is the same thing as the fullness of the gospel, the everlasting gospel. Uh, but check this out. So in section 84, 19 to 24, we already read. Now we're looking at 26 and 27. Check this out here. So nine, verse 19 said, the greater priesthood administers the gospel or the fullness of the gospel. Look at this. The lesser priesthood continued with the Israelites after Moses was taken and translated. And the lesser priesthood holds, look at this, the preparatory gospel, which, which includes the gospel of repentance, baptism, remission of sins. But the Holy Ghost does not lead to laying out of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, at first glance, you might say, well, it still has baptism and remission of sins. So it just doesn't... But but I thought, Dustin, you said that remission of sins equals baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost or sanctification, and we did. But I also mentioned... Whoops. I also mentioned that there are different levels. And we can see an example of this in 3 Nephi chapter 7 which we're going to pull up real quick so you can see. We we just read earlier, 3 Nephi 19, Nephi and the disciples get baptized by water, and then they have the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost. That was baptism by the greater priesthood, which Jesus gave to them in 3 Nephi 11. 
in 3 Nephi 7, we see that Nephi was baptizing by with water and people receiving remission of sins. So we're going 23, 24, 25, and 26. So 23 to 26, this is third, 3 Nephi 7, 23 to 26. Let's pull it up here. Thus passed away 32nd year. Nephi cried unto the people. He preached repentance and remission of sins. Let's make this just a little bit bigger. There were none who were brought unto repentance who were not baptized with water. So it's following the gospel. But we're going to see that's the preparatory gospel. Look at this. They did receive a remission of their sins. Look at verse 25. They repented and received remission of their sins. Baptized unto repentance. Now, again, this is part of putting the puzzle pieces together. Because here, this remission of their sins did not equal the baptism of fire in the Holy Ghost. So, we're going to make a little puzzle piece out here. So, in 3 Nephi 7, we have... Baptism of water. We have repentance and remission of sins. Okay. But we already read. We already read in 3 Nephi 19, that th which is much later, that that's when they received... the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, which brings a remission of sins. Remission of sins. This happened under the preparatory gospel because in 3 Nephi 11, 3 Nephi 11, Jesus gives Nephi power to baptize. So let's explain this mystery for a second. Let's jump back in section 84, which is just in verse 19. This is super important to understand. We have to understand this. The greater priesthood, which is the Melchizedek priesthood, administers the gospel. What is the gospel? What is the fullness of the gospel? Oh, it closed out. Fullness of the gospel is believing in Christ, exercising faith and repentance, being baptized by water, fire, and Holy Ghost. So if this is the gospel and the greater priesthood administers it, including administering baptism, it administer if that's part of the gospel and the greater priesthood administers it. If we're going to believe and understand section 84, then we must understand that there are differences between the fullness of the gospel and the preparatory gospel. So it's putting the puzzle pieces together. So that means we have a juxtaposition, fullness of the gospel, Versus the preparatory gospel. Now, I realize 
that this is not commonly taught because it is not understood, but it's right in front of us in the scriptures. It's right in front of us. So the greater priesthood administers this, the greater priesthood, while the lesser priesthood administers this. So that means there are two administrations. So the fullness of the gospel has baptism administered by the greater priesthood. It has to because it says the greater priesthood administers this gospel, which includes baptism by water. So baptism by water, fire, and Holy Ghost is administered by this greater priesthood. The lesser priesthood also administers a baptism, but it is a lesser baptism or preparatory baptism. So when Jesus says, be baptized to be saved, he's talking about the fullness of the gospel, the baptism by the greater priesthood. And that's extremely important to understand. So the fullness of the gospel versus the preparatory gospel or the gospel of Christ. So that means that under the preparatory gospel, it's important to understand still needs the higher ordinances. The higher baptism. You still need the higher baptism. Now you can deny this, but if you deny this, then you have to come up with another explanation because the lesser priesthood only administers the preparatory gospel. If you want the fullness of the gospel, according to the words of Jesus Christ, which I've just read, according to the words of Jesus himself, the greater priesthood administers that gospel. So if you don't have the greater priesthood administering that gospel to us, then we don't uh, then we don't have the fullness of the gospel. We have preparatory gospel. Now there's more scriptures you can dive in to look at this. This whole notion we looked at third Nephi seven. We can also look at um, Doctrine and Covenant section thirteen. Doctrine and Covenant section one hundred seven helps illustrate those points a little bit more. So this is the doctrine of Christ, and there's a lot more on each of these because it is everything. So we will close here. And if there are some pertinent questions we can answer on this live, uh, Mark will feature those on the screen. So we'll do that for just a few minutes, uh, but then we will transition to um, discussion. Anyone that wants to join via our Zoom cast, uh, and that link will be posted um, in the comments. It's doctrineofchrist.com forward slash join, which you can see here on the screen and click on the Tuesday because it is Tuesday night, June, June 8th, doctrineofchrist.com slash join, and you can join us. Uh, but before we go over there, we will uh, stick around here for just a moment for any uh, uh, questions that, that we might feature. So from John, thank you, John. Appreciate all your comments. I'm hoping at some point in the future we can get into actually exactly what the fullness of his glory actually means. What is the difference between the fullness of his glory versus something else? Oh, John, beautiful question. Thank you for asking. Um, 
For example, a person believes they have experienced the fullness, but isn't quite sure if that makes any sense. John, thank you for asking. Let's try and dive into it and answer it just a little bit. And I will spend more time uh, next week answering the question, what is eternal life? And a deeper dive into that. But I think here, so let's start. Let's start one more time with section 84 where we already read it. And so I know that we already read it, but we're going to look at it again and then jump to another verse. So let's go back to 84. And that was verse 24. So we have a bunch of in other words here. So beholding the face of God, but in what context? Because the Nephites beheld Christ's face, but it was here on the earth. Endure his presence in this life, uh, which enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory. So there we have that statement. Enter into the rest of the world is, is to enter the fullness of his glory. Now, before I go to the next passage, just a quick reference. When Jesus comes in the second coming, he comes in the fullness of his glory. Now, for a quick understanding of that, fullness of his glory equals his terrestrial glory. Now, how can we know that? Well, we know that when he comes in the second coming, he comes in terrestrial glory to terrestrialize the earth. And at the end of the millennium, the earth is celestialized. Now, Jesus has more than terrestrial glory. That's important to understand. He has more than terrestrial glory, but the word fullness of his glory is a terrestrial level. Why? I'm not exactly sure, but it coincides with uh, fullness of his glory, fullness of the gospel, and fullness of the priesthood are all terrestrial level terms. So for some reason, fullness equals terrestrial level. And we get some of those hints uh, throughout the scriptures. This is a truncated version uh, to answer the question. But we know that he comes in the fullness of his glory at the second coming. And if he came in celestial glory, it would literally wipe out everything. The earth is being prepared from telestial to terrestrial. It can't jump from telestial to celestial. So when he comes in the fullness of his glory, that's terrestrial glory. This is important to understand because... When we are baptized with fire and with the Holy Ghost, we go from a celestial state into a terrestrial state of spiritual being, of spirituality, which prepares us to go into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory, a much greater terrestrial glory. And section 84 clarifies that, that if we don't have that change, let's pull it up again, for without this for without this change in us the baptism of fire and the holy ghost you can't see god's face and live why because it's terrestrial it's a high terrestrial glory and we can see moses experiencing this in moses chapter 1 right at the beginning of the chapter moses caught up into an exceedingly high mountain so here's one of the clues Exceedingly high mountain is God's presence in the fullness of his glory. And and look, this is the context that we just read in section 84. He saw God face to face. The glory of God had to be upon Moses 
Look at this. Endure his presence. Moses could endure it. That's what we just barely read. We just barely read that in section 84. Endure his presence. Now, if we skip down really quick. So when God's glory ceased being on him, we see that that glory was a transfiguration. So look at this. Moses received his natural strength, and he says, I know I am nothing, which thing, and that man is nothing, which thing I never supposed, because so great was this glory, and it was terrestrial glory, so great was it that it caused Moses to be falling on his face, just like the Nephites in 3 Nephi 11, even though that was a telestial glory Christ appeared in, because that was on the earth. But 11 says, my natural eyes didn't behold him, my spiritual eyes did. So his spirit was taken out of his body into the high heavens, into the terrestrial glory. Otherwise, his body would have withered in his presence because his body is still telestial. But through the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost, our spirit can become terrestrial and be prepared for that. Because look what it says right next. For I was transfigured. So this is transfiguration. You cannot be transfigured until you've had the baptism of fire and the Holy Ghost to prepare your body and spirit for that. So that is a quick version, and there'll be it'll be a little bit deeper, more thorough dive next week. Excellent question, John. Thank you for asking. Fullness of his glory equals terrestrial glory in his presence, because his fullness can't come here. It would it will uh, make the it will burn the earth which is what's going to happen at the second coming, which is why he doesn't come in the fullness of his glory until the second coming, when the righteous have been prepared to receive him and receive the terrestrial level, and everyone else who isn't prepared will wither, just like Moses said. Quick note on uh, Jeffrey Bartholomew's comment. He said, I consider fullness of the gospel comprising principles on the list as well as the methods by which it is administered. Exactly. Because... Uh, you can't have the gospel unless it's administered to you. And the greater priesthood administers the gospel. So the priesthood clearly is the means uh, by which we can receive it. So thank you, everybody. Join us over in the in the Zoom discussion. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.